0: BFM 89.9 The Business Station My name is Rich Bradbury This is Cruise Control The Car Show here on BFM And as usual I'm going to introduce my friends First up we have the man with the news He is uh, Arif Ruz Say hello Arif Hello Richard Hello friend And then we have Daniel Fernandez He is from DSF.my
1: Hello Daniel Hello Richard and hello Arif And uh, two weeks in a row I'm Richard's friend I'm I'm feeling generous. Uh, Now, as usual,
0: we have a show in three parts. Part one, news and discussion. Part two, some car launches. And part three, a used car review. I'll give you a heads up. It is a 1987 Honda. That's all you're getting so far. More on that a little bit later on. Arif, um, give us some news then. What have we got this week?
2: I'm going to talk about... Motorsports and video games.
1: Oh, hold on. I want to yawn. I want to yawn. I, I'm kind of half interested.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, carry on, carry on. Uh, you should yawn some more and get comfortable because it's about Formula One and I know how much you don't like Formula One. Oh. Okay,
1: carry on, yeah. carry on.
2: As it is, Formula yeah. One is returning.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I like the sound of your cat, Richard. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: Let me get on with it. Okay, get okay, on with okay. It. carry on, carry on. on, carry on. on. Sorry. So Formula now. 1 returns <laughs> this March and obviously if you guys haven't been on social media or internet in the past three, four months mm. you would know that last season was the most dramatic Formula 1 finale in decades and this new season Hamilton will be looking to win his eighth world championship the most of any driver whilst Max Verstappen fresh of denying his eighth world driver's championship and gaining his first world driver's championship to start his own legacy. So uh It's a big thing these days. That (laughs) finale, everybody was watching it. People who I didn't know watched Formula 1 was watching Formula 1.
0: Is this because Hamilton was about to get the 8th World Championship? Is that why people were so glued to their screens?
2: Yeah, and they dramatically denied him the victory. And F1 had to fire their race director as a result of that. So if you want to watch all of it, there's a recap of last season. Netflix Drive to survive March 11th. Watch that. But these new F1 cars, they're pretty interesting. And I thought we might introduce this one because it's technically, you know, it's a all new. Okay. Developments with the old F1 car thrown into the bin. Mm-hmm. So all these manufacturers and all these teams start off with a blank canvas, which is just what you want. Right, Daniel? Everybody starts from the same point, albeit with different amounts of money.
1: <laughs> but <laughs> you see, The canvas may be blank, but the artist, the artist who draws yes. it... You know, not everyone can afford a Picasso. That's true. Oh, wow. Yeah. Listen to this.
2: What's going on here? Wow. But did the Picasso become as expensive as it was when
1: it was first drawn? True. But, you know, this is a game all about who's got the biggest wallet.
0: That's true. That's I'm true. so glad you said wallet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: anyway, anyway. Continue, please. Yes.
2: The new F1 cars, they look very different, but the engine is pretty much the same. It's mm. the same 1.6-litre hybrid turbo V6, which makes thousands and thousands and millions of horsepower but it runs on ethanol fuel ethanol mixed fuel E10 makes it a bit cleaner and appeals to a bit of the green enthusiasts I guess but uh, the big thing is the cars have been redesigned to encourage closer racing so it's much safer for drivers because massive accidents happened last year and, and the year before and it really hinges as Daniel says on the air bending expertise of all these teams and I think it's very, very interesting to look at. The wing designs are new. They've got 18 inch wheels with low
1: profile tires, which is very modern. That exactly <laughs> sounds like the conversation I had with one of my friends the other day when he was talking about his SUV. Please continue. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I put a picture
2: of the of the old Ferrari and the new Ferrari side by side. I think, mm. you know, what do you guys think? I think it looks fantastic,
0: these new cars. Okay, I have to ask a question. Yes, I, I've seen the picture. I'm looking at the picture. Which is the old one and which is the new one?
1: Oh, come Definitely on, Definitely the left one is the old one and the right one is the new one.
0: That, I mean, that's what I was assuming. And for those yep. of you who are at home listening to us talking about an image that you obviously can't see, Irish, <laughs> can you please post this on our Instagram so that people can have the same confusion that I'm having? Yes. For sure. Okay, okay.
2: But, you know, all of these new design tweaks and the car looks very futuristic. It looks like one of those Hot Wheels cars that we used to buy. Mm. Uh, But what we should see in the new season is, well, slightly slower lap times compared to last year. But as FIA put it, or as Formula One puts it, much closer racing because of all these new developments. So hopefully we won't see Hamilton and Verstappen running away with it and make Schumacher out on a Sunday drive, you know. Mm -hmm. So as mentioned, these new cars, blank canvas, new types of competition and rivalry. And, uh, you know, we've had Sebastian Vettel and Fernando Alonso, greatest racing drivers of the past decade or so. They're going to be looking to push uh, their teams into a top five position. And Hamilton, obviously, he wants to get revenge on Verstappen. And I admit, by saying that, it does sound more like a sitcom than a Formula 1 race, but it is very interesting. And I think, including both of you, you guys need to watch the Drive to Survive season and follow up on this because there's so much conversation to be
0: had. Okay, I, I, I'll set time to watch it this week. So <laughs> I'm sorry,
2: I, I can't say anything here.
0: I can't see. I'll fill you in, Daniel. I, I'll give you the bullet points.
2: Daniel, legit. I feel like you will really, really like this new season because it promises so much. And if it doesn't promise what it presents, just watch the first race. You know, uh, I will buy you a drink. Listen,
1: Whoa. I totally understand where you're coming from, and you know, for a free drink, I will watch this season and I'll watch the first race. But after that first drink, we'll have to talk about it. <laughs> the second ring Mm. and the third and the fourth and the fifth and the sixth okay (laughs) i I like your way of thinking it makes sense
0: yes (laughs) Mm. i mean formula one's an expensive sport you know and it
2: obviously you know how it's viewed in the world as being you know it's being sponsored by crypto brands everywhere and it's just not that appealing in terms of what it is i guess but in Mm. terms of the racing
0: i can assure you it will be very interesting all right okay I i believe you on that anything else in the formula one world we need to be speaking about not specifically Formula 1, but
2: in the world of motorsport. And I'm going to bore you guys again with a bit of talk about technology
0: and motor racing. And we like technology. Games. Come on, what are you talking about? We like it. Yes. Daniel, technology? Yes, oh. I've got a smartphone. <laughs> <laughs> it's smarter than him. Boom. Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry, Daniel. I'm sorry. I'm sorry.
1: It's true. It's true. You're not wrong.
0: But...
2: Forget Forza Motorsports, forget Assetto Corsa or R-Factor, all of those simulator games and arcade games, because Gran Turismo is the most anticipated motor racing video game in years. Mm. And it launches on PlayStation Network this weekend, uh, March 4th, at a cost of 300 ringgit, which is kind of expensive for a video game, but... Mm. I think it'll be worth it because, you know, all the Gran Turismo games that I've bought, I've spent at least a thousand hours on them. Oh, I used to love it. Yeah. And this new one, Gran Turismo 7, is the most anticipated because it's built up as Gran Turismo's return to making a video game for people who like cars and racing and just aren't bothered about racing online and crashing into other people. Mm. So... Online racing is still a major part of uh, Gran Turismo, but there's been a lot of changes to GT Seven mm-hmm. because it's become a more arcade-focused gaming, uh, much like the style we were used to back when I was a kid and you guys were six years old. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, we'll be able to you know spend hours trying to pass all the license tests, overtaking challenges. They even introduced something called the music run, which is. A bunch of songs created for Gran Turismo, and you have to pass through the checkpoints within a given time to keep the beats per minute up. So it teaches you about music as well. So Mm. that's pretty interesting. Um, We'll be able to grind for virtual money just like last time to afford your dream car, our dream car in the game, and collect all the fancy cars that all the top 1% or top 0.1% keep in their garages. It's always going to be a Skyline. I'm always going to buy a Skyline. Yeah, got to have all of them, right? Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The interesting thing about the game mechanics, though, is now that we have dynamic weather and environment, um, that doesn't sound so exciting. But what the developers did was they went to each racetrack and studied the weather patterns and the, what the track is like when it rains or just after the rain. Mm. Uh, they even collected like space photographs to make sure that the game reflects accurately what it looks like at night and during the day. Basically, in the game, racing at Willow Springs in California will be hot and dry, and it'll be torturous for your car, and you have to manage your car's temperatures, whereas, you know, racing in the UK at Brands Hatch, you'll be grey, grey, and full of puddles. That's about right, yes, yes. So I'm really looking forward to that. There's more aspects of the game that you can find out by just going on YouTube, but by far the biggest thing that interests me and a lot of people, I think, in general, in the automotive industry, not just in gaming, is something called Sophie. Mm-hmm. And Sophie is an AI developed with Sony. uh, And it's said to be a real breakthrough in research into AI and in video games as well. And it will be introduced as a future update because it's quote-unquote still learning. Um, So what this does is, you know, typically you play a racing game, the cars are kind of telegraphed around a track. They basically run like trains. Mm -hmm. They follow a certain route. And it's pretty easy to get past them. If you play Gran Turismo or any other racing game, You just nudge them to the side, they spin into the barrier, and you take the lead. Mm. But with Sophie, since it learns the tracks and also learns the situations around it, it can avoid that puddle in Brands hatch. And it can manage its tire wear if it's too hot outside and even act like Max Verstappen if it feels like it has to. So it is, in a sense, learning about you who's driving against it on the racetrack while trying to get a faster lap
1: time than any other driver out there. Okay, wait. So, I'm I'm trying to understand this. So, what's the purpose of this AI in a game that's trying to give you fun in driving on a racetrack?
2: So, the purpose of this AI is not to be faster than humans. It's designed to, you know, simulate a human racing opponent. It's as if I'm driving against somebody online, but I'm
0: not. It's just an AI. I see. It's introducing unpredictability.
2: Yes, introducing unpredictability. It's apparently the new AI will be able to you know engage in proper full lap long battles and mm. for example mm. if you come out of the corner with an undercut and you get the run on him he can block off the inside of the line and you know stop you from overtaking him down the street it's
0: because i mean uh, previously daniel if you're playing this game and and you're doing right. for example lamont or something you know like right. that mm. when you're doing like the four hour races once you're out ahead of the pack and you've <laughs> yeah. been racing for an hour There's no way that the other cars can get anywhere near you, you know, because like Arif has just said, they're on rails. They're pretty much doing the same thing. I see. Okay. Whereas something like this will make it much more challenging because, you know, they're learning from your behavior and other players' behavior. So they'll become much more of a challenge. And so I think the idea is to keep people still interested in the game because it makes it much more challenging.
1: Yep. Okay. So people don't get bored after they've they've mastered the game. Correct. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: For people like me who don't generally like being punted around off the track by people playing online, I always play offline and try to, you know, set myself different challenges, you know, start with a lower class car and overtake the front car. And it's pretty easy to do that. But with this, now you get to make your own battles, basically.
0: And and I guess, you know, there's real world applications for this as well, eventually, you could download that data to, to use these. Think about it in, in in the future. You could have automated, this doesn't sound as exciting, automated car racing on Brands Hatch or wherever it is. Obviously, and you could then translate that data into other vehicles uh, for safety things. There's definite stuff to be learned from this for sure.
2: Which brings me to Sony because remember a few weeks ago or a month ago, we were speaking about the Sony cars. And... Uh, They specifically mentioned that they wanted to build their cars with, you know, AI and technology at the forefront of it. Mm. They wanted to realize the world where we can live in harmony with robots, as they say. And I am a skeptic about self-driving cars. I don't think it will exist maybe in the next 50 years and live in harmony with us. But I keep thinking, like, the fact that Sophie exists and is, you know, in Gran Turismo 7 and it gets to learn about how people react mm-hmm. and it gets to, you know, continuously learn about where the limits of the track are, where how people react to certain situations. It might give Sony the edge in getting us to the next levels of self-driving technology. And mm-hmm. I don't know much about machine learning, but mm-hmm. if it is what it is, then it's a pretty bright future.
0: I, I'll, I'll say you heard it here first. Within... Yeah. 10 years' time, you will see self-driving cars. And I don't mean necessarily on the roads here in Malaysia, but you will see them start to proliferate in other countries for sure.
1: I yeah. totally yeah. agree with you, Richard, because I think it might even be sooner than that. Mm-hmm. If you're talking about overseas, definitely in the next five years.
0: Yep, yep, yep.
1: Anyway, let's wrap up for this segment then, shall we? Right. Just before we go, I just want to ask a question. If, if I have a PS4, can I use this game? Can. Yes. So I can buy this game and, and have it running perfectly well in my PS4.
0: Can. It just won't look as pretty.
1: Ah, okay, okay, okay.
2: But you know, just a little bit of a nerd out factor on the games. We do have a game show on BFM GGWP. Check that mm. out. I think it's I think it's
0: Monday night. Okay, <laughs> Monday night. Monday night. Yeah. I think it's Monday night. I think it's Tuesday night. I think it's Wednesday night. I think it's Thursday night. You can just edit it as you see fit. Thanks Rich Your experience is invaluable to us
2: (laughs) Um, But yeah So apparently You know You can race the cars With the controller And it gives you The right feedbacks That properly mimics You know Real cars So I think Mm. You and your son Will have a lot of fun With it Daniel
1: Okay I've got a PS4 at home With the steering and the seat So I might as well use it Yay You've got a steering wheel And a seat Yes I'm coming to your house yeah, yeah. The steering wheel is in my Mazda. The seat oh. is... <laughs> no, no, I, right. I do have the steering wheel and the seat and the pedals and all. Ooh, wow! Listen, so he's the guy that was telling us he wasn't interested in video games. Remember? Yeah. Well, I, I've, I've only used it once. My, my kids use it more than me.
0: Okay, on that note, whilst we dissect what Daniel has just said and figure out if we're in some kind of alternative reality, we're going to take a break. This is Cruise Control, and when we come back, we'll be talking about local car news and some new car launches. Don't go anywhere. This is Cruise Control on BFM 89.9.
1: Because freedom matters. BFM 89.9.
0: BFM 89.9, the business station. My name is Rich Bradbury. This is Cruise Control, the car show here on BFM. As you've heard earlier, we're in a show in three parts. We've just started off with some news all about Formula... Formula One, <laughs> and some ground Turismo news. Uh, we
1: do have some uh, car launches here, though. Uh, what have we got? This
0: is, all, this is all coming from DSF today, is
1: it? Yes. Okay, to start with, you know, Peugeot has already rebranded itself. It's back in Malaysia. It's with Bajaya Automotive Group and everything else. But there was a lot of question marks about, you know, what's going to happen with uh, Citroen and DS brand. Yeah. So what happened is now, they've just come out with news that Citroen and DS customers have a new flagship 3S center in Glenmurray. it's shared with Peugeot of course mm-hmm. but the fact that they've allowed Citroen and DS customers to come and see them and handle all the after sales which is very good news because why until this news came out the DS and Citroen customers were in limbo because if you remember a few years ago they launched the DS7 Sportback with the older dealer yeah and that guy is still running his warranty and you know it's a really good car. It's it's built on the on the three double O eight platform, but it's it's much more luxurious and has much more features in it. So a lot of them who own this nice SUV were worried that you know how am I going to get my car fixed and uh, maintained and spare parts and everything. So good news in Glenmary, the Peugeot dealer which you see also handles Citroen and DS. Mm-hmm. What's this about motorcycles, Daniel? Okay, this is quite interesting because Allianz Malaysia, uh, of course, you know, they have always pushing the boundaries a little bit and trying to move the goalposts in terms of services and all that. This time, they've done something which I have to mention it because why I'm also a rider. Uh, They're offering better protection for motorcyclists. And we're not talking about big bikers. You know, a lot of times, insurance companies think only about big bikers. Mm -hmm. But Allianz has decided to go to riders 250cc and below, which is my... Group, mm. <laughs>
2: yeah,
1: because mine is you know one five zero CC. So the plan includes additional protection for death, permanent disability. You know, um, I don't like to say this, but it's a fact. Hospital coverage, and and here's the best part: huh? it also covers for breakdown service. Oh, that's useful. Now, Yes. So, if you're riding a small bike, below 250cc, you have a breakdown, you know, a flat tyre, whatever. Previously, you got to run around and try and figure out how to move your bike or, you know, you just have to walk it. Mm. Now, you can actually call Allianz and they'll come and help you out. That's really good.
2: Essentially, this is targeting a lot of the Grab Riders, aren't they?
1: Mmm, yes. And, you know, look at the number of chais out there. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. 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 So it, this this whole program covers a lot of stuff. Go to the website, go to DSF, uh, read up on it. There's a lot of information down there. They've got a full comprehensive cover for 250cc and below motorcycle riders. Okay, now then, Hondas. Yes, and it's a new odyssey, guys. Yes, this is surprising news. Very surprising news. Because the, the previous Honda odyssey, after it appeared a few years ago, we heard news that there's never going to be a new one. <laughs> really? Just like the Honda Stream, they said, you know, uh, I think uh, no more Odyssey after this. And then suddenly, bam, brand new Odyssey appears. Well, that's exactly how you start and finish an (laughs) Odyssey, right? (laughs) (laughs) But this is is theoretically, I would say more like a facelift because they've changed the the front, the rear, even the the look and feel of the vehicle all Mm -hmm. around has changed. But when you go inside... It is almost similar as the older one. And the older one, there was nothing wrong with it, except it did not have a high roofline. Now, personally, I don't like the high roofline, which is what a lot of consumers in Malaysia like, because they like to walk into their their MPV, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, for me, this has got a lower roofline. It's more streamlined. I prefer this look. But this has pushed back the sales of the previous Odyssey and also other MPVs that have a lower roof line okay
0: yeah, yeah yeah
1: so the engine is still a 2.4 4 cylinder engine it's still a nice decent uh, power plant the price is two hundred and seventy five thousand ringgit it's fully imported from japan so the price Ooh. is a bit high yeah. there is no point doing local assembly because the volume is not high
0: yeah what about uh, seating configurations because that's always the the selling point right
1: Front row, you get captain seats. Middle row, you get full captain seats with full reclining. At the back, you get seating for three. So it's a seven-seater, just like all the other luxury Japanese MPVs. Mm -hmm. Why I emphasize the word Japanese? Because then there's the Kia Carnival, which just came across with 11 seats. But theoretically, the final row seat is really tight. So if you take away the final row, which is seating for three, so 11 minus three, you get comfortable seating for eight. Okay? Yeah. That's also fully imported. That's also big. Bigger than this. Longer, wider. I would say almost same amount of equipment. But that's a 2.2 diesel and it's selling for just below 200,000 ringgit. Oh, wow. So, the 77,000 ringgit price difference. Is that what you're looking at in terms of going Japanese or going Korean? Because why? Both countries are famous for using chopsticks.
0: (laughs) My my question though, who needs an 11-seater MPV? At that
1: stage, wouldn't it make more sense to get like, I don't know, a coach, a small (laughs) minibus? Well, think about it it this way. Like I don't need an 11-seater SUV. I just Ah. need something for five people. That's why I don't have a MPV or SUV in my house. We just have sedans and and two-door cars. But if I have... For example, Arif Roos, 10 years from now, visiting, he's gone overseas, you know, he's married, a nice lady. He comes back to Malaysia and says, hey, Daniel, let's meet up for lunch, you know. Can you come and pick us up? And he's got four kids. Uh (laughs) So, you know, that's four plus him and his wife, you know, that's six. And then plus my family of five, then, you know, I will need a Kia Carnival. Fair enough. Fair enough. It's, it's not really for the average family, but, you know, there's a lot of people out there who buy these large MPVs with that once in a year or twice in a year or maybe even five times in a year when they'll probably need it, you know? Mm, mm, mm. When, say now, as a family, I go and visit someone out station. okay? I go to Batang Bajuntai to visit an uncle and there's six of them in the family and you say, oh, let's, let's, let's go out for dinner. So, instead of taking two vehicles, they take one. To me, just take two vehicles lah, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, anyway, Batang Bujutta only got two traffic lights, not much traffic, it's okay. <laughs> I've I've used the previous model to go out station a couple of times. Mm. Uh I loved it. I loved it. As a, as a five-seater, it's perfect because every single bit of luggage can go in and everybody's got a comfortable seating position, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But um Yeah, the price seems a bit, little bit high. But then, if you consider the Toyota Alpha brand new, don't compare this with the grey import. The grey import Alpha is about this price. But if you consider brand new against brand new, the Alpha is four hundred over thousand ringgit.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: You know. So then suddenly this seems wow, great value.
0: Yeah, it does. It does.
1: Okay, um, let's move on
2: then. What else have we got? We have uh, three very big launches from Mercedes-Benz. First one is big because it's you know a very popular car. The other two are big because they are very big cars
0: and very expensive.
2: Uh, but the first one is the Mercedes-Benz C-Class W206. This is called and it's mm-hmm. you know the 2022 one. I love how it looks. I think it's a bit odd, but odd in a good way, like one of those actors with extra big eyes. You know, (laughs) but you know, I I think this new look is finally given the C class some proper Mercedes Benz presence. You know, the old one didn't really have it, it just still felt like a junior Mercedes-Benz, but this new one is being called the Baby S class. And it has a lot of style and substance, including inside the interior, where the new Mercedes-Benz MBUX system is on display. It's a vertical screen now, and everything's pretty much touch sensitive. So
1: Really, really appealing looking car. I, I love the way it looks. Yeah, yeah. To be honest, the C class has always been a good looking vehicle for me. Even mm. the previous one. I, if there's a good second hand one going for sale, I wouldn't mind. But I just can't afford it. You know, I'm not on Richard's salary, as you all know. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I'll say this: they've done a great job with this car. It's it's grown in every length, width, size, cabin space, and then the technology has just increased tremendously. It's got most of the stuff you find in the S class, you know, but it's now in a C class. The price is just simply, I think it's a stunning price. And a lot of people are going to say, oh, you know, the C200, 1.5 turbo, but it's got 204 brake horsepower. You know, mm-hmm. what else do mm-hmm. you need? Yep. And at 288,000 ringgit, I mean, it really puts a dent on the BMW 3 Series, you know? Mm.
2: The C three hundred though, three hundred and thirty thousand ringgit, and yes, both of these cars are are fully imported, they will start locally producing them, but you know, C three hundred for three hundred and thirty thousand ringgit, a Volvo S60 costs three hundred thousand ringgit. Equivalent three series costs a whole myV cheaper. Right. That's a lot of money,
1: you know. Yes, but the Volvo and the, the BMW are local assembled. Yeah. So this is now fully imported, and you know, you cannot compare fully imported with local assembly, but I think they're not really worried about you, you know, mentioning the the, the high price because ding, 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 it's sold out. <laughs> Already? Wow. How many units did they bring in? Do we know? They didn't give a specific number, but these few hundred units were even sold out even before the launch. It was sold out even before the launch because I had a couple of friends who went to buy these cars mm. and they were told it sold out, so they couldn't believe it. So they said, you know, hey, can you find out so, when I called the dealership, I mean, I called the, the, the most senior person and they said, uh, well, don't print this, but yes, it's sold out. I said, but the car is not even launched. He said, yes, it's sold out. Wow. <laughs> and this week, just this week, I mean, sorry, on Monday, I was told that even the first batch of local assembled cars are almost sold out. Mm. That is Interesting. So, there is going to be great demand for these cars. And the only thing that's worrying me is where are all these Malaysians getting their money from? I
0: was just going to ask the same question. They're the people that are queuing outside LV and, you know, Rolex and things in, in places like the Gardens Mall, aren't they? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, there you go. And they'll probably be buying our next vehicles that we're talking about
1: as well. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. And it's to my bucks. My is basically the luxury division of Mercedes Benz. So, beyond the S Class. There is a brand called MyBuck. And MyBuck has two models, which is the GLS, which is a huge, huge SUV. And then there's the S-Class version of the MyBuck, which is just over-the-top luxury, you know, included in the car. And some some changes on the interior, on the exterior. But it's very, very close to what Bentley is providing. So for the MyBuck S580, which is the sedan, you have the Bentley Continental as a, as a direct rival and for the maybach gls suv you have the bentley bentayga mm. but both the vehicles from maybach almost a million ringgit lower price than the bentley equivalent a lot of people say oh it's bentley you know it's you know british and sorry you know old chap you know we are not just going to have a cup of tea and talk
0: about it <laughs> what is it with <laughs> cups of tea and crumpets and having to do the english accent <laughs> <laughs> because it's Bentley old chap
1: oh. well there you go do it <laughs> yeah properly, but it if, if you're bent- gonna do it, do it properly please <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry I'm sorry <laughs> but Bentley is no longer British owned mm. Yep, it's owned by a German company it's owned by Volkswagen you mm. know so I'm not saying it's it's got any less quality I mean I, I've sat inside the new Bentleys and they're wow you know I mean really wow but a little bit too much bling for my taste. And I think the bling is because when people get that rich, they, they like shiny things, you know? They're like little crows, you know? They like shiny things and stuff mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm. And I know that their biggest market is China and maybe the Chinese consumer likes it and, and it has to filter down to the rest of the world. All that doesn't matter because I can't afford this. But when you get into a mybuck it doesn't have that kind of bling, you know what I mean? yeah, And I like that. It's, it's not in your face, shiny all over the place. It's just super luxurious almost like a rolls-royce i guess daniel's idea
2: of not bling at all is two-tone paint and chrome literally everywhere and 23 inch wheels
1: <laughs> have you seen the new bentleys there's there's more chrome on on them and this guy you know that's true that is true <laughs> you know but anyway it's it's matter of taste and i think you know when people get to this kind of level they just they just like shiny things you know yeah yeah, yeah. But anyway Both the vehicles are on sale right now. And um, guess what? You heard it here first. Sold out. They're sold out, yes. (laughs) But you see, this kind of cars, when they bring in, they bring in very small numbers. They bring in very small numbers because they want to see whether the market is, you know, powering towards it. Because it's imported, they can put it on the next ship and it's no problem. I mean, people who buy these cars will pay a little bit extra and say, hey, put it on a plane and send it by DHL, you know? So it's no problem.
2: Just a few uh, specifications and technical details about right. these two cars. The MyBuck S580, which is a stretched, basically a stretched S-Class, mm. 1.93 million imported, taxed and configured, which the Bentley would be, as Daniel says, without tax at 1.93 million. This MyBuck is one foot longer than the regular S-Class with business-class seats in the back, and it's got a mild hybrid V8 with about 500 horsepower. The GLS, despite it you know, looking bigger and with more presence, it doesn't have the two-tone color, but still maintains the Maybach badging and all the effects on the inside, and that costs 1.79 million ringgit, <sighs> taxed and configured and imported. If you guys were some sort of big business person with loads of corporates and governmental influence, or if you were a luxury hotel owner,
1: which one would you get? Mm. To be honest, you know, the people that you just mentioned, the demographic, uh, they can actually buy both, you know?
0: (laughs) Yes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Because if you think about it, in in total, this is the price of one Rolls Royce.
0: Yeah. Oh, you're you're saying the the English cars are, are, are more valuable. Is that what
1: we're saying? They are much more expensive because you know why, the exchange rate.
0: Oh, that's it. <laughs> um, if, if I was forced into a decision, I, I, I'd probably go for the
1: S580. To me, yeah, I'd probably go for the S because I think the, 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 the SUV is just too large for me. It's too big. It, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's too big. This GLS is almost as large as a Rolls-Royce Cullinan, you know? It's gigantic. Yes, and it's one third the price. So uh, Maybach S580
2: for all three of us. Thank you very much.
0: Yes, okay. my Buck if you're listening and you have spare ones, you know, feel free to just wing a couple over.
2: You can send us a, you know the MyBuck emblem, that's fine
0: too. <laughs> Keyring is okay, yes. Keyring is fine. You know. Anyway, um we are gonna take a short break here folks, but of course we are a show in three parts, and when we come back, we have a used car review. It's the Honda Prelude. third generation. Don't go anywhere. This is Cruise Control, the car show here on BFM 89.9.
1: Bombing frustrated minds. BFM 89.9.
0: BFM 89.9, The Business Station. This is Cruise Control, That Car Show here on BFM. I'm Rich Bradbury. I'm joined by Arif Ruse and Daniel Fernandez from dsf.my. If you're only just joining us, you've missed conversations about Formula One, Gran Turismo, and AI, all in part one. Part two, we've just spoken about some local car launches, an expensive Honda, and three new Mercedes, two of which are extremely expensive. However, we're coming back down to earth with a little bit of a bump right now. A nice used car review of the Honda Prelude 2.0
1: 3rd generation. Has this Prelude been forgotten by Malaysians? Daniel. They have really forgotten about this car. I'll tell you why. Um, I did a teaser article uh, about a week plus ago. Actually, at that time, I was already producing this used car review article for, for a friend of mine who wanted to buy one. Uh, but then I said, you know, I think no one no one talks about this car anymore. No one mentions it. No one even considers it when they're looking at a used car, a used sports car. And when I did a teaser, the number of people who came back and said, yeah, we forgot it. Yes, it's it's good looking. My word, why did I forget about this car? You know, and things like that, that kind of comments came on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And I realized this because even when I went to see the see a few on sale, you know, the guys who were selling it, we're all saying you know nobody calls nobody came just one guy came i got a silly offer from a used car dealer and the thing is because the jdm market the japanese domestic market revival in malaysia okay mm. uh, has not included this car yep It's not even included the second generation or the first generation. I love the
0: first generation.
1: Exactly. The first generation the round lights, right? Yeah. Little cute, you know, little retro looking. That car is just rusted away uh, out of existence. There's only a handful running around and they're all in bad condition. And then the second generation, which looks a lot like this, but, you know, there was a few facelifts, you know, for this version. And uh, this is the last of this model where the air intake has actually come below the bumper line, you know. Mm. Right. So you have a very clean front nose. Now, if you look at it closely, I, I'm 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 sure some people are going to disagree with me. It actually has a little bit of the NSX look.
0: Yeah, I see that. Yeah, yeah.
1: It's flat. It's low. It's a very clean cut. The rear, if you look at the pictures, we've got on DSL. The rear is very clean cut. Even the dashboard has a little bit of NSX in it. You know what I mean? Mm. But of course, it's a 2-litre engine. Now, when we did a little bit of research, we realized that there's a 2-litre carbureted and there's a 2-litre fuel-injected version of this car. Now, the local Honda dealer at that time was Car Motors. This was before Honda Malaysia opened office here. Okay, Mm. So, Car Motors used to sell... Local Assemble, Honda Civic and Honda Accord. They didn't have any other models. Uh, There was a time they did sell the Honda Legend, the sedan, in very small numbers. Uh, And it was, uh, I think it was a 2.7 big engine and it was a little bit expensive. But this car, a few units of this car came in as a fully imported unit. There are many variants of this car that came from Japan through grey importers at that time. Now you had the one with the four-wheel steer. I don't know if you all know about the four-wheel steer. It was the first car to have four-wheel steering, right? Exactly, and it was a mechanical four-wheel steer system. So when the car is when you when you're parking the car, when you turn the steering wheel, the rear wheels because it's Mm -hmm. front-wheel drive, the rear Mm -hmm. wheels also turn a little bit, Mm -hmm. and this allows for very good side parking for those who bought their driving license. Okay, Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) allegedly, allegedly.
1: So, uh, so. There, there was a big demand for people who bought their driving license for this car. Okay, <laughs> and because there was a big demand, Honda made an Accord version with four four-wheel steer also. What? Ha! Ah. But the but the four-wheel steer Accord was very very subtle. There was no, I think there was only some small badges in the rear. This one was, this one was advertised more. Okay. Mm. So. This Honda Pollute Now, on sale in Malaysia, if you look through the classifieds, you'll find the carburetor, 2-litre, and also the fuel-injected version. Now, if you do a little bit of research with mechanics and everybody else, everyone will say the same thing. Go for the fuel-injected version without the four-wheel steer. Because the four-wheel steer mechanism, even though it's mechanical, if it goes wrong, it's very expensive to fix. Very expensive because there's a lack of parts. That's number one. Number two, the four-wheel steer system is heavy. So you're, you're weighing down the car, right? Mm-hmm. And this engine, this two-liter engine, whether it's carbureted or fuel-injected, it's not the most spirited. It's about 130 to 150 brake horsepower. Mm. Yeah. And assuming that's running perfectly, right? So for its day, yes, it was it was reasonably powerful. But today, you'll be like, why is that Miami overtaking me? Why is that Beza overtaking me? Why is that guy on the bicycle overtaking me? You know, so this is what they say lacks, you know, in, in the Honda Pollute, that, that whole sense of speed and excitement and, you know, fast cornering. But at the time when people were buying these cars, you used to see more females driving it than males. And there's nothing wrong with that, but it's just that, you know, suddenly when a lot of women drive it, Men tend to say, oh, it's a girl's car. Don't buy it. It's just like the Mazda Miata, the first generation Miata. Because a lot of women liked it at, at first. Any guy driving it is like, oh, you're a hairdresser. Oh, you're the kind of man. When I had an MX-5, people made fun of me, okay? My first <laughs> MX-5. I said, hey, you can make fun of me. I'm a hairdresser. I'm bald. Fine, okay? But I'm driving a true driver's car with rear-wheel drive. Now, with this Honda Prelude, I remember driving a couple of friends who had it a long time ago i never had a problem with it it's comfortable nice seats very functional interior beautiful large sunroof that worked automatic sunroof mm. and even the rear space was decent enough for two people to get in you know and it had a decent sized boot but today suddenly people have forgotten this car because it's it's you no know, it's out of the radar it's not it's not talked about it's not publicized you know mm. so prices are actually very reasonable so when i did some research for a friend of mine who was looking for this car I suddenly got excited into thinking, maybe I should buy one. (laughs) The thing is, because my friend wanted a manual and also, you know, if I'm going to buy one, I want to buy a manual. There are not many manual versions around right now, okay? So we went to see a few, all high mileage, all above 200,000 kilometers. Uh, Even those that have been, the mileage adjusted is still above (laughs) 200,000. Because (laughs) I think some of them had hit 500, 600,000. Because the wear and tear on these cars, you can see it. And restoring these cars is not an easy process because you can't get a lot of the parts, okay?
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: But still, even though they were high-mileage cars, one click, they started, they idled properly, they drove well. You know, things like CV joints, steering rack, all these kind of things can be a little bit pricey, but a lot of these cars were actually still running pretty decent. Body work was pretty decent. Of course, all these cars had some form of small accident over the years. Mm. If they tell you it's totally accident-free, have a laugh. Be polite and say, I understand, <laughs> you know, because you would have a small accident somewhere. Right. Because we did not see one with still the factory paint. Everybody had resprayed. They say, oh, no, touch up, same color, you know. Like, you look underneath, there's a lot of scuff marks, you know, because this car is low. A lot of people forgot about speed bumps and, you know, little mm. debris under the road. So, you see all these things in, in this car. But we found some, a couple of good examples, but they had similar problems. And I'll tell you what's a similar problem. The doors were sagging. The doors? And I thought it was a problem with the with the frame. Maybe it was rusted on the inside. So my first impression was, okay, this guy's a rust bucket. You know, the guy is covered up with new paint and everything else. So I started knocking. And then I realized after checking with a few mechanics that I know, they said, oh, Honda pollute door sagging, Small problem. It's the hinge. All you need to do is change the hinges. And the hinges are not expensive because the hinges are easy to get, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And once you change the hinges, and maybe at the same time, maybe you just change a little bit of the rubber lining around the inside of the door, they will shut and, and close perfectly well. That's all that is needed. And that's not even a thousand ringgit. So for the owners who were selling these cars, my advice to them is, things like door sagging, go and get it fixed. Because why? It's a first impression. You open a door, you shut, click, cannot shut. You have to carry the door and shut it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and it, it's not a good sign. Because why? For a person who's not well-informed, it's like, oh, this car had a bad accident. Or or this car, people have been leaning on the door. You know? It's a common problem with old two-door cars. But this one, it's very obvious because they had an issue with the hinge.
0: That's very interesting.
1: Yeah. So we, we found a few units. We actually went for test drives. I have to admit, the 2-litre fuel-injected version is much smoother. It's got nicer power delivery. It's got a very nice linear torque delivery. These cars were well-maintained engine-wise. The carburetor needs time to warm up a little bit. And then once you run it, the low end is a little bit boring. But the top end, I mean, once you get to like 70, 80 kilometres and then you you push it a little bit on third gear, it gets a little bit more spirited. We also test drove an automatic version. The gearbox is slow. It's an old (laughs) four-speeder. Understandably, because this car was not designed to be a sports car, an all-out sports car, so it's a little bit slow to response. But as a classic JDM forgotten vehicle, the price of between twenty-two to twenty-five, twenty-six thousand ringgit, I think it's good value. I think so too. Mm. So there are a few units still for sale on the classifieds. I would say at least go and have a look. Maybe after looking at it, touching it, feeling it. You might feel the need to actually own one. And I think the prices cannot go down any further. It can only go up.
2: Especially after this podcast,
1: right? Exactly. Because, you know, 3.7 million people listen to (laughs) the show. (laughs)
0: <laughs> uh, and if you want to hear more news about honda actually uh, honda were on the breakfast grill this morning the title of the show is wanted a national ev framework i bet you can't guess what that was about can you mm. very interesting brilliant stuff uh, thanks for that daniel thank you folks if you missed any part of the show don't forget you can download the podcast wherever you normally download it from we recommend the bfm app it's available in the apple app store or google play download it at your leisure. Don't forget, we do have an Instagram page. Uh, Arif, it is? At BFM Cruise Control. Where there'll be those side-by-side pictures of Formula One cars, (laughs) I am assured. And that's it for us. We'll be back same time, same place next week here on Cruise Control on BFM 89.9.
1: Thank you for listening to this podcast.